What is up, everyone? Welcome to the Patio Slave Podcast. It is June 25th, episode 1616. I'm here with Tony and Nate. Before we get into the set list and the segment details, I want to give some shout-outs. We uh, had Sean on Instagram. He's in a uh, does a podcast called Sean and D's Good Tape. He had some good words for us, so thank you, Sean, for checking us out. Also, Cambrio Music also hit us up on Twitter and had some good uh, good comments for it. We love that stuff. Definitely continue to do that at Patio Slave on Twitter and Instagram. Email is uh, Podcast at gmail.com. Hit us up. Tell us what you like, what you don't like. Segment ideas. We love hearing from you guys. If you hit us up, we will definitely, definitely re- respond. So keep doing that. Um, so with that, I'm going to hand it over to Tone. He's going to give you a cool update for uh, our YouTube channel. Thanks. So, uh, yeah, we were lucky enough to talk to the two guys that made our intro music this week. So um, I had Donnie Golden, a.k.a. Greg. You'll hear his name, Greg, too, a few times. And Nomar Slevic. Uh, they were the two that heard the, the intro music you heard at the top. They created that. And there's a cool story behind it. So I interviewed him for about 15 minutes, uh, almost 20 minutes, and then uh, we react to the interview a little bit after. So that's going to go up on the YouTube page. It may get released as a bonus episode down the road here. You never know. But, uh, yeah, I'd check that out. Uh, I will probably put that up sometime tonight, 625. So you'll see it over the weekend. So uh, leaning into the set list here, uh, we had a couple album anniversaries we wanted to get to. Uh, that's kind of a, an ongoing mainstay segment for us. Um, then I don't know if you guys have heard the, the Herd Immunity Fest, which has since changed its name or just taken the name down, but that was something we, uh, we all were like scratching our heads about. Uh, and then uh, a few other artists are doing some stuff local, uh, doing some stuff live. Um, and then uh, we've got a couple albums that came out this week that we've all been pretty stoked on and listened to a couple times. We wanted to, to talk about those. And then the segment, the main segment, if you guys uh, follow us on Instagram, we put up uh, a photo and a kind of a teaser for the, the episode tonight, the segment, Heavy Therapy. So kind of oh, the, yeah. the opposite side of the coin to last week's episode where you have the good vibes music, the summer music, the rolling the windows down. This is more like you got to let it all out. It's got to be loud. It's got to be sometimes not necessarily loud, but some heavy themes um, that bring you to the table that kind of are therapeutic in a way. So that's that's kind of the uh, the segment for tonight. So that being said, Nate, got a couple album anniversaries we want to talk about. Yeah, you know, uh, when you're talking about playing some music that uh, kind of help uh, funnel or kind of take out your aggression it makes you want to break stuff you know sometimes you just want to break <laughs> yeah, stuff yeah good segue oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, man yeah some people hate this band some people love them um the funny thing is they were the biggest band in the world at the time so Limp Bizkit dropped Significant Other on June 22nd 1999 so we had just uh, gotten out of high school um, high school right freshman year just gotten into freshman year yeah yeah freshman just got year. into freshman year yeah it's crazy so, um, yeah, it's crazy that that was already 21 years ago. Man, you, what, what are your memories of that album? I remember getting it the first day it came out. So yeah. $3 Bill Y'all came out when we were in middle school. And that was, mm-hmm. I mean, it got, I think Faith got some radio play. So they were big. A ton of hype coming into this because Nookie was the single. And I remember getting it uh, at Best Buy. Or actually, nice. it might have been Leechmere. I know we've made a callback. Yeah. Oh yeah, to we talked about that. Yeah, Leechmere which was like again. basically a version of Best Buy. But uh, it came with, and we'll throw this up on the the YouTube video. 
it came with a uh, like a rubber keychain, which I've hung on to for 21 years. Don't ask me why. I mean, I because <laughs> you're a nerd. Can you imagine me using that at 35? Like, <laughs> I would. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I, it, it, I mean, it shows you the hype at the time. I ran out and got it the day of, and it was in the summer. I, I'll never forget. It was a summer. And I put it in my uh, family's Hewlett Packard, I think it was, computer. And it could have been one of those enhanced CDs. I can't remember, but remember it was. Those? Yeah. It was, yeah. So that's why yeah. I put it in the in the computer. Uh, but yeah, it was. Uh, a, here's my read. It was a banger at the time, and in genre is is good. But at 35, I'm not seeking it out. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna disagree with you wholeheartedly. I'm almost, <laughs> but I'm almost 36, so maybe I'm just older and wiser. Um, <laughs> Nate and I ride for this band so hard though. Like we just, yeah. love, especially this album. Um, yeah. I was never, I was never really into $3 bill y'all. There are songs on it that I like, obviously the faith cover was huge. You guys remember the eighth grade social? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, so we, in our, our town growing up, there are two middle schools and right at the end of our eighth grade year, which about when this <clears throat> album came out, they do a big dance for both eighth grade classes. They bring everybody together because we're all going to be at the high school together the following year. I and I remember, that. I remember Faith being played at it, and we just like went nuts, like yep. <laughs> we're a bunch of eighth grade <laughs> boys just being stupid. <laughs> so that was kind of my intro to Limp Bizkit. Um, and then this album, I bought this album that summer. Um, I don't know if it was the day it came out, but I had it that summer. And I still like looking at the track listing the other day. I'm still into a lot of it. Like it's not one that I come back to, you know, once a month or even once every couple of months. But occasionally it'll it'll hit me, and I'm like, yeah, I want to listen to that again. Um, to the point where I own it on wax. I think I posted it on boozy vinyl at one point. Um, yeah, nice. no, I, I just love this record. I still do. Yeah. Talk about a, a time and place once again, right? Yep. The uh, single was June 16th. The album dropped June 22nd. Um, yeah. It kind of epitomized what was big at the time, which uh, they obviously helped bring it to the mainstream, I guess, Limp Bizkit. Um, I think we all can agree that uh, the roots are really, very much so like Rage Against the Machine and, and bands such as that from the early 90s, kind of even late 80s, if you think of uh, Run DMC and stuff like that. But um, yeah, man, Lip Biscuit was huge. And, uh, you know, haters are going to hate, but uh, there's some good, there's some really strong numbers on this album. Um, I'll always remember picking up the album. I don't think I bought it on the same day, Tuan, but uh, I, I did remember buying it. And I think my sister bought it and my brother bought it. So, I mean, talk about why they went so like, platinum so quickly is because like everyone is buying it. Is just like oh shit, um, and I think the strongest memory I have of Limp Biscuit for this summer was seeing them at Woodstock '99, um, the same summer, and just they were like the biggest band, uh, or one of the biggest bands on the planet at the time, and they were like still in a weird way up and coming, but they tore it up at Woodstock '99. It's pretty obviously a very uh, notorious set, but um, yeah, and I, I, would, I had checked out a uh, three dollar bill y'all uh, a year prior. I had a friend that had it and he let me borrow it. I borrowed it for like 12 months. Like I didn't give it back. I was like, I really like this album. Nice. <laughs> uh, no, so I was, yeah, I was stoked that asks, I didn't give it. Only if he asks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did like the album artwork. Like it was yeah. perfect. It, it was, it, it, that set the tone for that album, the visual kind of nature of it. But also mm-hmm. they had um, In Together Now, which had Method Man. Was it just Method Man on that song? Yep. So that was like, you saw hip hop elements on $3 Billy L, but then when this dropped, that kind of got them into that kind of that scene. And then, um, you know, obviously down the road, like Roland and 
things like that. Yeah. They had the urban assault yeah. vehicle, whatever it was, <laughs> urban yeah, raid I mean, vehicle that, that or sounds, something. That sounds that sounds not as good. <laughs> but I think like DMX but was I'll, on that or something. Yeah. I'll uh, I'll I will ride for for chocolate starfish too. Not gonna lie, uh, not the whole thing. Uh, the, the urban assault vehicle Roland is garbage. The Roland itself is pretty garbage, but yeah. Um, but Boiler's an awesome song with. Uh, there's a song with Wyland Scott Wyland on that album that's really good. So yeah, no, there's still some there's some stuff there. They they definitely played up the Durst is a d bag uh, angle really well. And maybe he was one, but maybe he was also playing a character a little bit too. So. Um, but I mean, it worked. They, they sold a ton of records. They were massive. Actually, you, I think you just nailed it. He was a caricature of himself. He was playing a character. Yeah. I mean, what's the uh, uh, chocolate starfish? It opens like, ladies and gentlemen. It's like, oh, yeah. that's yeah. not his real voice. Like, there's no, <laughs> no way that's his real voice. They were just feeling themselves. Yeah. And he was, he was feeling himself, obviously. <laughs> I think it was put on by the record label, to be completely honest. And I wouldn't think be shocked. It, huh? I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I feel like the whole controversy with them and Slipknot was very much so a label play, you know, sell records, start some controversy. Cause at the end of the day, they're on the same bills and they came up in the same clubs together. So I feel like that was all like, maybe not fake, but just a little over-exaggerated to an extent. Well, I mean, and this is only a couple of years after um, the, all those rap beefs were in the news that didn't end as well, but you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Those, those were, a lot of times those things are to drum up just publicity for records. Is that a good segue into the next uh, album yeah. anniversary? I think, the rap beef? I think it is. Totally. I think it is. Yeah. So this next artist had beef with Nas and that's, uh, didn't Nas drop ether in, yeah. mm-hmm. in response to Jay-Z? So the album yeah. anniversary is Jay-Z's reasonable doubt, which dropped, uh, what June 25th. So today, 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 24 years ago, 96. Wow. That's crazy. So what are you guys memories of this one? Oh man, dude, this album's awesome, man. I love Jay Z, um, but I really like Nas too. So I was I was always kind of bummed out about the whole the whole beef, and um, yeah, I've actually seen Jay Z perform with Mary J. Blige. So that opening track um, mm-hmm. with her is so so badass, and they're both obviously fantastic. And Jay Z is an idol of mine, you know, both in the business world and uh, and his musical achievements. So. Um, yeah, so 96, so we were in middle school. That's very much fits the place. Speaking of like high school dances tone, that kind of reminds me like that's where you hear things like Jay-Z, you know? Oh yeah, and, uh, definitely. Get fully immersed in that kind of music, yeah. I loved it, man. So for me, I I didn't get into this album first. I think I get into the next one first um, with uh, Hard Knock Life and can I get a what, what the, those songs, those were oh, yeah. huge. Uh, and, and then I kind of backtrack, like I, like we, we were want to do as nerds and find more stuff. And, and this album's just, I listened to it today. I was like, wow, I hadn't heard it in a while. It's great. There's so many classic tracks on it. Um, Jay is obviously in his element and it's mid nineties rap, which for me, pound for pound is pretty awesome. I like it's, it, it just, it feels of that time so much more than may, maybe any other type of rap. Um, I guess the mumble rap nowadays feels of a time too, but <laughs> at least you can understand Jay when he's rapping in this one. So, yeah, we have a uh, very similar experiences then. Um, I was going to say the same thing. I was a late bloomer on this album, which makes sense given how old we were, but I got into Jay, uh, hard knock life volume two or yeah, I think that same one it had, um, yeah. yeah, hard knock life, get away at them. That was 98. That makes sense. It was 98. Yeah. So this mm-hmm. one actually, you, this might surprise you. I didn't get into Reasonable Doubt until like 
0809. It was after college, and I think I got a used copy at the uh, local uh, record store, Bull Moose, and I would play it. Yeah, I think it was 08 because it was in when I bought my first car. Oh, wow. Nice. Like, yeah. you know, with that a real sense. job money. Uh, yeah. And I bought yeah. that, and I was like, damn, this is this is this is way better than the other shit I heard by him. Yeah, grassroots. Yeah, it's a it's a classic, and and it's you know one of his best, and it's obviously been kind of lionized in his canon. But he he's a big. I mean, he's like Nate said, businessman. He's he's made a lot of money doing a lot of different things. So he's a he's an interesting character for sure. I'm sure we'll we'll touch on Jay Z again here in the the fairly near future. Um, yeah. So you guys want to jump into this herd immunity fest? <laughs> Yes, Yes. I I can't wait, actually. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. Who has thoughts? Who wants to lead off? Well, let's give the rundown of like what it is. Okay, go ahead. All right, I'll I'll do it. So Herd Immunity Fest, it's going to take it's supposed to take place uh, next month in Wisconsin. It's going to feature Static X, who's from Wisconsin, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Nonpoint, Dope, um, Flaw, who was, you know, kind of a big name in the new metal scene back in the day. And then there's a reunion by the band Boba Flex, who I've just oh, wow, yeah. I've seen by name. I've never heard, I've never heard them, but and uh, they named it the Herd Immunity Fest. It's going to be in an outdoor field, I guess, and yeah. it's only going to be at like thirty percent capacity. But the reason why this got a headline is the name, obviously. But then also, it's like the only live show that's that's supposedly happening. So with that, what's your take? What's you guys take? I mean, I read what the promoter had mentioned when he was asked about about the festival, like, wow, you're doing this? This is crazy. And uh, his quote, and I, I don't have it quote for quote, but it was something in, in the realm of, you know, live music touches people in a different way. This is something that we put together because we feel like we need human connection and we need to have live music. We need to get back to to what we had before this this whole thing went down. And I'm reading it and I'm like, yeah, man, I get it. I, I totally understand where you're coming from. But given the name of the festival, let alone the time frame, uh, it just it, it seems a little, I don't know, it seems a little early, I'd say. So two two things come to mind for me. One, we all are fans of the band Nonpoint, and when they heard the name, they said, "Peace, we're not going to do this." Yeah. <laughs> so we were all like, "Thank God, <laughs> those guys are those guys are cool." So, and the other thing, um, <clears throat> you know how throughout this entire COVID process, you heard this, you know, if you told 17 year old me, this was going to happen. And then this was going to happen. You'd be like, no way. Yeah. This is the one of the times that I was like, yeah, if you told 17 year old me that all these new metal bands were going to get, get together during a pandemic in a field and call their, their concert, the herd immunity fest. I might believe that. I actually might believe that. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I think we're on the same page with that. Like my first reaction was like, all right, how are these bands still a band? And I think for a lot of them, it's it's kind of probably their financial lifeline. Mm-hmm. And you, you can't hate, hate anyone for that. Um, obviously shocked that it would potentially even happen. But the other yeah. thing too is like, uh, you know, we're all nerds and geeks here. I'm thinking the economics of it. If you have an outdoor uh, fest and it's operating at, I think I read 25% capacity. Like it's a huge, 20%. huge thing. 20%. Yeah. I don't think there's money to be made. So now you're doing it for the love of the game, but then you're putting people at risk. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. And so I don't know the, rest- gets- yeah, I don't know the restrictions in Wisconsin. Like, is this street legal? I don't know. Do you guys know? Well, they had, they had lifted a bunch of restrictions in Wisconsin. I think that's the reason that that was where the, 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 um, 
the festival was supposed to take place. So it's, yeah, no, I, you can't knock the trying to make some money. And if it's that, that's their lifeline. And, and there are so many bands that put albums out right around now, 20 years ago that are trying to, you know, capitalize on that 20 year anniversary for maybe their biggest album. And, you know, they can't, they can't do anything because of, of what's going on in the world with, with COVID. So uh, I get the idea. I think the idea had a good, had a good heart, but it doesn't, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. No, and to your point, Juan, uh, it's exactly where my head went is the cost of the tickets at three day festival. So I think it was like $110, something like that, Yep. which is pretty cheap. Uh, let alone, you know, um, it's a three-day festival, so if I'm, I don't, I don't know if that includes lodging. I mean, camping or something. So that's a whole other conversation in terms of COVID. Um, let alone the lineup and the lineup. Uh, you know, these are these are bands. Some of them I've seen mostly in clubs. So the fact they're kind of headlining a festival is kind of interesting. So yeah, I was thinking the same thing when I was reading. It. It's like, hmm, at twenty percent capacity, this might be like the epitome of like a break-even analysis, and that's it. And maybe even a loss, but I mean, I think like you're like you're saying that maybe they just want to get out there and just play, but um, and maybe recoup some revenue by a merch. I don't really know. It just it doesn't really make sense. That's the first thing I thought of too. Is is kind of gotten the business mindset and it's like, hmm, you might have a break even analysis on this. That's about it. I don't think anyone's going to profit off this. And then liability wise, you might be looking at some uh, long term aftermath. So it's pretty pretty wild for sure. And the band's got to get there. I mean, I don't yeah. know where some of these bands are from but i mean if they're close enough to drive you can do that with low risk but if you have to fly i mean it's just and i don't know did you guys read the a lot of the comments on social media about this it was super it was super obviously super divided it was the it was the new metal head crowd that was defending it to the nth degree that i'm going it's my life like if something happens i'll go down swinging and then there's like you know the new metal haters are like yeah. what the yeah. hell is yeah. this like and i think we i think we all kind of straddle that line yeah. <laughs> like we like we like new metal uh and and obviously i mean we've talked about a ton of bands from that era even just tonight but uh yeah it's if it's going to be a break even situation the the last thing you said Nate the liability of it makes zero sense to me just why why even why even try you you're putting yourself and people at risk um, to catch this, uh, you know, fairly deadly virus for some people. So it's not, not a great idea. I don't think. Yeah. If live nation is announcing rescheduled dates for 2021, I mean, as much as we, uh, talk in depth about live nation Ticketmaster, I feel like they probably have the most insight out of anyone in terms of what's going on behind the scenes and, and when things will get closer to normal, whether it be via vaccine or parameters about setting up a concert to um, get away from any kind of lawsuit or um, oversight. Um, so therefore I would, and I hate to say it, but I would say most likely it looks like it would be smart to follow Live Nation's lead and not be proactive and, and do a kind of um, off the cuff festival and just see what happens to break even, you know what I mean? Um, I understand where it's coming from. And Tony made a good point that it's coming from an honest place. It's from the heart. Like we all wanna see live music. I totally get it. Uh, we had talked about this on another episode of, uh, some of my favorite bands that are, I have tickets for where to play, uh, this month, next month. Uh, I would just, I wouldn't go. It's just, it's that easy, you know, and I'm definitely traveling for work and, um, 
super cautious about everything I do. And I, I think it's a mind state thing too. You know, the most interesting thing about this is the fact that cases of COVID are actually going up in real time. Yep. So the announcement of the festival is extremely ironic. Um, but I think a week and a half ago, that was a different climate altogether. Everyone was like kind of getting over it. The country is opening back up. We're moving to phase two, some, in some places phase three. So maybe they kind of said, okay, cool. We can announce this festival. I think we're in a good place to, to make this happen and people should be on board, but it's just not the case. Yep. That's a great point, Nate, with Live Nation, who's the most profit money first company in the game. If they're yep. calling the game and saying, hey, we'll revisit this next year, that tells you something. This shit's real. Yeah. So when herd immunity comes, <laughs> yeah. I can't even say it with a straight face. When herd immunity comes around, I mean, it's just, actually, if this is your first time hearing about it, log online, go on Facebook, Twitter, whatever, find the flyer and try not to laugh. It is straight out of like 2000. Check our Instagram. It's on there. It's on yeah. our Instagram. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's straight out of like MS Paint meets. <laughs> I can't, clip it, art. Clip art. It's... It's so on brand. It's just, it's funny. Just yeah, go check yeah. it out. You're right about Ticketmaster Live Nation. If they're if they're scaling everything back, then they know something's up and let's maybe not do this. The other thing that was funny to me and just when I first read about this, I'm scrolling through Twitter, you know, checking for information, looking for stuff, reading articles, whatever. And it's like, oh, Deftones postponed. Oh, this band postponed. This band postpones. Hey, come to Wisconsin in July for the Herd Immunity Fest. I'm like, is this, and I said it to you guys, and I said, is this a joke? I, I thought it was like The Onion or something. I'm like, I, I don't even know if I should believe this because it looked like amongst all the other things I'm reading, why is this one the complete opposite? Somebody's trolling me here. I felt trolled. It's very hard times or Onion. Yeah. Like if, <laughs> if the hard times posted that, I would have believed it. That, that, it was, that it was a joke. Yeah, yeah. I would have thought it was a joke. Yeah, that's crazy. So um, I'm, my guess is between now and, you know, even maybe next week, we see that not happen at all. Everybody just pulls out and it, be, it becomes a bad idea and we, it just doesn't happen. Well, interestingly enough, bands are being added. So no it actually way. is the contrary. Yeah, it's actually the contrary. Um, but that hey, could get shut America, down. America, by... the dumpster fire. <laughs> hey, can we take guesses on who's, who's added? Yeah. 40 Below Summer. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know. No, it's a good funny because it's a good call because there are some names that just like come to mind. You think of like stuck mojo, like, yeah, <laughs> stuff that yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's definitely something that I you know stay tuned because more stories will come out about this whether they're good or bad. Totally, and the fact that it's in, in the United States, I'm trying to think like if there's something like this would fly in another country, that's maybe a little bit more lax. The United States is notorious for uh, civil lawsuits. So yep. the fact that they would go through with this is like in the most prone <laughs> country for liability and, and lawsuits and class action lawsuits. There's no other place on the, on the planet that's, you know, just sitting on the trigger to, to file a lawsuit. So yeah, man, I, I hope, uh, you know, things are okay, but I would advise at least uh, my friends to probably hold out on this one for sure. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would agree. One last comment is like, no matter how much they like the promoter or the band say, Hey, it's, it's a huge field against social distance. You still have merch lines. You still have porter potties. It's a mess. Yep. Mm -hmm. It's a mess. You could have 
people trying to clean things, they're never going to be able to keep up with that in real time, even at 20% or 25% capacity, because it's just their communal spaces and they're hard to um, keep to the level that we need to keep them clean wise. Uh, that's why a lot of things are having trouble reopening because that is something that is hard to keep up with. And then maybe you're not staffed well enough and now you're not bringing in enough people to pay those people to do it. So yeah, it's tough. Both your points just brought me back to uh, the whole infrastructure thing. Cause I, I go to a lot of festivals and I usually go to the first one and a lot of them are presented by AEG or live nation or some kind of collaboration to put it on. So they're never like underfunded. Um, but they're always a shit show. The first year of any festival is always a shit show and they always lose money. I would assume I, I get some insight sometimes that it's for sure losing money, but um, yeah, like directing traffic after the show and, you know, carpooling and stuff like that. It's like, a, it's just an absolute mess for like a festival that's got some heavy hitter headliners and um, you know, got all the permits and everything. So this, I, <laughs> I don't know, man. So speaking of, uh, first year festivals and our, our guest next week i'm just going to tease it a little bit we went to a festival 10 years ago next weekend nate in maine Ooh. yeah keep that keep that down now we'll talk we'll talk about it next week i think we'll talk uh, about it next week so but that's you know teaser for next week guys our, our guest yeah. we have a guest and uh we all went to one of those first year festivals which actually was pretty awesome but yeah it was a little bit of a bleep show oh, yeah that was awesome i remember that very yeah that was 10 years ago how crazy is that so, um, Steph, uh, another shout out, Steph in, in California sent us something on Instagram. Nate, you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, a little, um, another show, maybe a little bit proactive on, uh, going forward with it, but, uh, it's a show and a dinner. Um, it's kind of an expensive ticket. Um, Citizen Cope's doing a little show and a dinner in LA, small cap. Um, yeah, so she sent it over like, Hey, check this out. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, kind of goes back to the point with herd immunity immunity fest though because it's still going to be people in a small cap room even if it's socially distanced it just boggles my mind it still doesn't really matter because you're in indoors and it's circulated it's a uh, air that's being circulated so um i love citizen cope don't get me wrong and i love la but uh yeah it's it's a weird it's an interesting thing but it's an expensive ticket and uh i just feel like again it's a little bit maybe forward thinking but i don't know what do you think I was thinking the transition to Citizen Cope would have been, well, on the opposite end of the spectrum, someone being responsible. But now that yeah. you said that, Nate, like no matter what, you still got the shared bathrooms, you got the shared merch, uh, mer you know, the merch lines or whatever, if, if he does that. Um, I don't know the venue, but when I think dinner, I mean, I don't know how big it could be. I mean, it must be big enough where, you know, you can get a, a waiter or waitress navigating through and, and whatnot, but... I can't imagine being a hundred yards away, sitting at a table watching him either. So it's probably relatively small. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's one of those things like, is I don't know, is it to benefit charity? What is it, or is it just a show? I mean, my thought is like you said, it maybe trying to come at this from a responsible angle, but at the same time, especially if it's indoors, it's tough to, it's tough to do it. You even if you go cap, you have you know more than six feet in between tables. Maybe you have 15 feet in between tables and you've got merch lines, you've got bathrooms, you've got um, entrances and exits that are the same. Uh, people having to go through all those spaces um, to get in and get out just doesn't, doesn't lend itself for this to work. Now, maybe in a small outdoor venue could pull this off with a little bit less of an issue. Um, and then you could do the, you know, maybe you buy your merch, 
beforehand. You can like see it all online. We talked about this with the the concerts outside in the cars, mm-hmm. where you 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 know that everything's you're, you're in a virtual line on your phone, and you order the couple things you want, and then it's already packaged for you. You just walk by and grab it. You're not hanging out there. It's not a communal space per se. It's just it's done and you're done. So that might be a way to do it. Uh, but I think outdoors is really the only way for this to work. I don't think indoors works right now. Yeah, based on the newest developments outside, it seems like it makes the most sense um, because it only travels so far. And in, in, indoors, the air is circulating. So I think ultimately what it's come, it comes down to with both Herd Immunity Fest and the, the Citizen Cope show is, you know, independent music management or promoters or even bands themselves just finding a way to adapt to the current situation. So I, I guess Wisconsin, maybe they're in phase four. I have no idea. Maybe something like that where they're like, oh, cool, we can actually run with this. The Citizen Cope thing, since I'm here in Southern California, I can attest to the fact that, you know, you can dine in a restaurant. So maybe they're kind of piggybacking on the fact like, okay, we can follow this blueprint. The only difference is there's an artist playing. So yeah. we're kind of following in line with the California regulations to just do this and have at least something. Um, but it still seems a little early and uh, I just don't know how it's going to play out. So it's it just, uh, it seems a little too early and I want to see live music so badly. So it's, it's tough, but the only way to kind of justify it for me personally, and I'm, you know, pretty loose and pretty casual about things, but um, you know, I want to live a long life. So um, is the fact if you, if you change the COVID in your head and change it to like Ebola virus, for instance, mm-hmm and say, okay, I'm going to go to the show. Ebola virus is just rampant right now, but okay, I'm going to go to this word in phase three, even though Ebola virus is going on. I think you would think differently about it because Ebola virus is so much more, It's it's been studied more and there's been movies about it and there's a really good book on it called The Hot Zone that go into depth about Ebola virus. So you might think differently, like, shit, I'm not going to go to a show because Ebola virus is a flesh-eating disease. And therefore, if I contract that at the concert, uh, that's it, that's checkmate for me. So COVID is kind of not at the phase or we know really anything about it at all, I'd say. I mean, it seems like such a mystery still. I think we're becoming a little desensitized because we keep kind of ping-ponging back and forth from things are getting better to, oh my God, things are actually worse. Um, so the whole thing is just a, a kind of a nightmare. Um, and so therefore throwing in any kind of entertainment um, segue would just be a little, I don't know, just not fathomable. And if you think of it as Ebola virus, it just makes it easier to to walk away from it, basically. Well, the thing is, as soon as you introduce food and beverage, that means you ditch the mask. Um, mm-hmm. So it's like you're indoors. Or, I mean, this is an indoor indoor venue. You, there's just people eating out in the open, drinking out in the open. Um, yeah, you can separate the tables by, by six feet, but then it's, it's the communal space and tone. I didn't even think about that. The size of the door and the door entrance doesn't change. You know, the, the ticket taker line doesn't change. Um, so I don't know. I, I hope it goes off without a hitch. I, I, I actually like citizen cope. I haven't seen him live or them live, but take COVID out of it. This would be a hell of a sh- experience, yeah. a dinner and a show. Yeah. Are you kidding? Yep. Yeah. So, um, speaking of uh, people that are okay with, with this, this kind of fits more the, uh, the herd immunity side, right? <laughs> you guys are familiar with Sammy Hagar. Oh yeah. Yep. So he is Sam willing Hagar. Yeah, he is willing to um, get sick all. and or and or die. <laughs> He's willing to risk it all to kickstart the <laughs> concert industry. He just says, "I want to play shows. I don't care. Like I'm in. Let's go." What do you guys think about that? That's kind of crazy, right? What was the quote he said? He said like 
in so few words, I'm willing to sacrifice myself to kickstart the music and to kickstart the concert industry. Yeah. Yeah. How old is he? I mean, he must be close to 70 now. I'm looking that up right now. (laughs) Somewhere along those lines, but actually puts it in context because he's definitely well, uh, well off financially. So it's kind of the, it's kind of the polar opposite of, uh, and I don't want to throw anyone under the bus that's on herd immunity fest, but it's a different ball game in in terms of uh, where they stack uh, in terms of their financials. So yeah, if he's saying that, it clearly it's coming from a place that is, I just want to play shows, but it's still kind of disregards what's actually going on. So I think it's easy to get desensitized and you're just like, ah, whatever. I'm a rock yeah. and roller. I'm just going to play. So Yeah. I've always done whatever I wanted and however yeah. I wanted to do it. Yep. He's 72. He'll be 73 this year. Wow. Jeez, I, I thought I was pushing it saying 70, but yeah, I mean, he's, I think there's definitely some truth to that, Nate, where he's like, I've been there, done that. I don't have, I mean, think about, think about Hagar. He's, he's that age. You're not going to be doing that at 80. You might not be doing it at 75. So his runway is so small that he's just like, you know what? If I, if I, you know, go down in the middle of the fire, it, 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 it'll, it'll be worth it. I want to get out there again. He'll be a legend, right? Right. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we were worried about live music in 2020 and then Sammy Hagar said, get on my back, boys. Let's fucking go. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I mean, 72, he's probably made his money. You're right, Nate. I, I don't I don't understand why he's willing to do it, but I mean, maybe he's just what he does. He's like, this is me and I'm, I'm lost without this. And without it, I don't really have any reason to do, you know, my daily stuff. I, I'd rather be out playing shows. You know, that's just, that's what he's done for however long, 40 years, maybe he just 50 years, even he wants to get back into it. You ready for this hot take? Yes. Sammy Hagar headlines herd immunity. <laughs> he probably called him he's like i'm in i don't fit the bill but i'll 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 uh i'll, I'll do it let's go wow that's awesome co-sponsored by cabo wabo tequila yeah which is his other venture which is what i'm saying like he's got ventures in uh, one in spirits which is uh always going to be a strong market so yeah <laughs> yeah so that that piece is uh it's it's got to be for the love of the game for him, right? He's just not worried about it. He's not worried about the COVID. He's not worried about getting sick and dying at his age where he's in that demographic. I'm sure he's got another underlying condition being 72. You know, like it doesn't make a ton of sense for him. Although if you're going to be just thinking about a concert, if you're going to be away from people, the place to be away from people is on stage. So maybe he's like, I'm not going to get sick. Maybe other people might, but I'm, I'm uh, fine. <laughs> so maybe that's it. And he can't move around quick, so he's he probably when he performs he he's probably pretty immobile. So it's not like he's even coming close to his bandmates. He's <laughs> right. He's gonna be like John Popper when Popper broke his leg. He just sits down. Yeah. Or Dave Grohl in that like massive throne they made for him when he broke his leg. The only artist that can actually pull this off would be Wayne Cohen from the Flaming Lips. Yeah. In the gerbil ball, right? Oh my God! Good call. <laughs> Jeez, yeah, and remember, remember that meme from a couple months ago that we saw? It was yeah. like we we've seen um, Flaming Lips a couple times here. I know I have. I've seen him twice. I think Nate, you're at least once, right? Twan, have you seen him? Never seen him. Okay, so I, I'm gonna actually I may post the video of him going over the top of me at the State Theater at uh, in the Gerbil Ball that he comes out on stage in because I have a video of him flying over the top of me and my brother. Um, it's one of the few times I'm glad I had my phone out. Sorry, Lance. 
Mercer can call back to a couple episodes back. Is I was so happy that I had my phone out recording because he did. He, he rolled the gerbil ball right over my head. Um, but yeah, he's he's that works. It makes sense. He's away from everybody. He's, he's the bubble boy. Come for the set list. Stay for the tangents. <laughs> always, always. <laughs> That's oh so gosh. funny because that you're right. That could work, and who knows? Maybe we'll have maybe herd immunity. We'll just have those bubble balls. I'd go back in mosh pits. For all the... Oh, God, that would be a mess. I'd go back in. In a bubble, I'd go back in. The herd immunity fest would actually make sense. I probably wouldn't be at this scale. It would be a little bit larger, perhaps. But um, if they were to use this as a test market for those um, hazmat suits we were talking about a few episodes ago, another another throwback, that would be the only way that this would actually make sense. It'd be almost like sponsored by that as a test market. We're going to test this in this festival and see if this is a viable option. Um, but this is just a f- straight out, like, no, just go bear, figure it out. You'll be fine. We're going to name the festival just to make it that much more bizarre and sketchy. <laughs> if I was Static X, if, if I was their PR person, I would just say, hey, guys, you know what? The response is ridiculous. Let's just come out and say it was a joke the whole time. You know? <laughs> yeah, <guys. laughs> this was supposed to go to the onion in the hard times, and it didn't. It was somebody else picked it up early. They, they caught an email, and it was all a joke. Yep, yep. We want to. Uh, we got a couple albums that came out this past week. We want to. We want to jump into those. Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. So, Newfound Glory put out. We we talked about Newfound Glory last week on our episode, um, going back to Sticks and Stones from 18 years ago, and then um, that Friday last week they put out a new album. And um, what's it called? Forever and ever times infinity. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, I, what I hadn't, I know we talked about it in previous episode. I was excited for it, but I've kind of fallen off listening to them to the level that, um, I was when we were younger, but this album was really good. Like I, I threw it on a couple times this week and was, you know, it brought me right back to where I was listening to sticks and stones at age 17, 18, but it was, you know, it, it scratched that itch for sure. And if the weather being nice, rolling the windows down, listening to those guys, it felt definitely like, yeah, I definitely like that. So it was cool. Yeah, man, I'm I'm with you. Um, it was cool talking about Newfound Glory uh, last week, Tuan, and uh, and listening to this album. And I was thinking when I was listening to it, like, man, it, it immediately had this feeling like, thank God there's a band and there's bands like this that put music out like like this because it's just so sweet. It's like awesome. It's it's true pop punk. It's uh, it's what bands that like made it to the stadium you know, as a punk man, wish that they could put out because it just really is like pure gold. It's actually like legit. Whereas if you're a punk man, you know, punk man that made it to the stadium size venues and they're trying to put out an album just to keep putting out albums, but it's just not that just doesn't really taste the same. Um, Newfound Glory, I think they, they knocked it out of the park with this album. And uh, to be completely honest, I haven't, I hadn't listened to the last few, but the last album from Newfound Glory that I was really into was Coming Home. I loved that album. I thought that was a front to back album. Um, and that was like, I don't know, 10 06. years ago or so. Oh, six, yeah. 14. 14. Oh, six. Oh, wow. Yep. Yeah. That was the last time I was like really like spinning newfound glory all the time. And I played the, sh- I played the hell out of coming home. Uh, and so listening to this, I was like, sweet. They still have it. This album rocks. So yeah, man, I was really digging it for sure. So for me, NFG pound for pound is a top 10 all time band. Just when I think of like legacy, you know, duration, everything, whatever. For me, I'm with you guys. This was, it's my favorite album of theirs since Coming Home. 
since 2006. I, I posted about it on my, my personal Instagram. Their last two, which was Makes Me Sick and then Resurrection. And then before that, jeez, um, I mean, it shows you. I can't really remember. They had Not Without a Fight, which was pretty good, which was after Coming Home, which they kind of went back to the, you know, a little heavier side. Uh, that was pretty good. But this new one is better than that. I think it's it's a band that is not trying to impress anyone. They are what they are. They could write a more poppy album if they wanted to, but that's not them. They could go the heavy, heavy route, which they have that in their roots, and it comes out with like Himalaya, but it's, it's yep. still like they've always straddled that line. Like the the breakdown and understatement, like they can go heavy, but yeah, this album's awesome. Like the lyrics are a little iffy here and there, yeah, um, but that's always newfound glory. But it's always newfound glory, and and it's ten years in, uh, ten years. It's well, it's twenty three years, and it's ten albums yeah. in. So what do you expect? Right. Uh, yeah. But this will be, you know, when we kind of reviewed the Pearl new Pearl Jam album a couple of months ago, I always ask myself, hey, will I revisit this? And you know, I, I said yes to the PJ album. I will revisit this one. This will. Yeah. I'll come back to this one. Uh, the funny thing is, we were putting together the set list for this week, and I didn't. This hadn't crossed my mind as something that I wanted to talk about until I listened to it the first time and then was like, you know what? There was enough there that I want to put that back on and try it again and was like, yep, this is something that we need to talk about this week because it was it was that good. I knew I saw your post, your personal Instagram post and thought to myself, yeah, no, I'm, I'm actually really into this, too, uh, more than I thought I'd be for sure. So to get them kind of doing what they do, uh, you're right. They lean into that what they are. Uh, there's the time there's some some elements of that really poppy side, that kind of sappy side with songs like the last song on the album. I, seem, I feel like that's a staple for them. I forget what it is. Slipping uh, away, maybe. Yep, or, slipping away. Yeah. Song songs like that, which then they seem to do that on every every album. Throw one of those kind of sappier love songs on the end. But then like Himalaya, where there's some heaviness to it, and they lean into you know their roots there too. So they they the New Fun Glory are what they are, and it works. Yeah, I feel like it almost, it for me, it kind of, um, since summer essentially just started and we were just talking about kind of summer vibes the last episode, I felt like this kind of fit that really well. And we were talking about how it was delayed. I think that was a good move. Um, I know Twain, you yeah, talked about right. how that's I, right. yeah, you backpedaled on that. I think it was totally appropriate and um, given maybe the negative, negative connotation with COVID in the original release, but uh, date. And so forth but yeah no one else listening to the album now it was super sunny out and i was taking a walk and i was like man this is awesome and like i said i hadn't listened to newfound glory since coming home so i was like i think it may be healthy to cycle off uh certain bands and certain uh artists and and revisit and maybe pick up their newest release to, to kind of have a fresh take on on what they're doing and be like oh nice this is good to come back to this and uh maybe i'm happy i took a break and it wasn't intentional with uh, the last release being coming home, I literally just said, hadn't checked out Newfound Glory in, in a long time, but it was like really refreshing to pick it up and listen to it today and be like, oh man, this is a really good album and this is these are really quality songs. And uh, I think the heavy element on the guitars really helps for me. Um, but yeah, man, it was it was solid and uh, I really like that. And uh, there was another new release too, right? Um, oh yeah. Also Hum put out a new album as well. Yeah, kind of a surprise drop, right? They released Inlet. 22 years since their last album. Um, I know we all listen to it. I get takes. Yeah, me too. You want me yeah. to go first? Actually, I, I want to hear your... Let, uh, let, yeah, let, let me go first because this right. is funny because early in the week I listened to um, 
because we had talked about Hum a little bit before this album came out, which is funny, randomly, so funny, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. In our group texts, yeah, we're always we're always just kind of talking about stuff musically. This this happened long before the podcast, um, and, and Tuan had brought up listening to older Hum records and them being kind of uh, you know a, a band that the Deftones was influenced by. Um, and I was like, all right, I'll give it a whirl. I I didn't ever really like the song Stars all that much. Um, it's not bad. It just was never something that scratched an itch for me. So I listened to the record that that, that song is on, uh, You'd Prefer an Astronaut, I think is the name of it. And I was like, you know, the musically I'm okay with it, but the, the lyrics just kind of don't do it for me. And then all of a sudden this album drops and I listened to it last night in its entirety. And I was blo- pretty much blown away. Uh, it, the the lyrics, I think, or the, um, the vocals still are a, maybe a tiny little point of contention for me, but they lean into what they do now a little better, I think. And the, the music was awesome. Like the, the riffs were really good. The, the tangents they went on, cause we love tangents here. The tangents they went on musically were, were just really, they fit. It never felt like you were listening to an eight minute song cause it just kind of kept twisting and turning and giving you something new. So that was really cool to me. And it kind of reminded me of, there was a song that the summoning, which I know Tuan had brought up. Uh, the riff was cool. It reminded me of uh, Tempest on Tool's new record, Fear Inoculum. There was oh, some yeah. vibes for that, which I thought was, I was like, boy, this sounds like a Tool song kind of, but a little different. And another band that I never really got into, but had a huge release about six years ago. Tuan, do you ever listen to Deaf Heaven? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so Sunbather. There's a lot of Sunbather in the music yeah. for this. Uh, the lyrics, the, the, the vocals are completely different, obviously. The, the, the vocalist for Sunbather is a little bit more abrasive as it were but the the music on that record and i i tried to listen to it at the time because it was uh critically acclaimed and i'm always down to listen to something new and it didn't work for me then but i listened to that album right after i listened to hum last night and i was like no i like this too okay where did this come from all of a sudden i'm into this stuff so it was it was like it opened a door for me for some reason yeah i could i could totally see the the deaf heaven comparison they were a death wish band for a hot second but they speaking a lot of music they were supposed to roll through portland maine and i think that got uh port city music i think that got delayed but um nate you want me to go yeah all right this this is might be an aggressive take just because it's like two days old i think it's an instant classic i think it's the best release they had they've had and like it's for me it cements like they're the kings of this genre so like i'm big into a lot of and i told you guys this a lot of the run for cover records bands which they run for cover used to be like the pop punk band that's where like you know bands like the wonder years they were in fireworks they were on that label but then a lot of those bands transitioned to like that kind of shoegaze subdued vocals where bands like title fight and um turnover and you listen to a hum record and you're like all those bands just straight up jacked hums stees you know <laughs> And this hum record is like, it, it sets the bar for any of those sounds. And I love, I, I, I say that like negatively, I love all those bands. And like, I just bought Title Fights Floral Green on Wax today, um, nice. you know, eight years later or whatever it was. But I think it's an instant classic. We'll, I'll revisit it in a year and, you know, we'll see if <laughs> I have the same reaction. But I listen to it and every song goes in like the direction i'd want it to like the guitar tones are perfect the eight minute songs do not feel like eight minute songs um i don't know i'm i'm all in like it it's a contender for album of the year for me 
and we're halfway through. Nice. So it'll be top five record, I think, 2020. I agree um, 100%. Um, it's the kind I was listening to it and I was like, man, like, I, I remember why I like drop D guitar so much, you know, it just kind of like fully immerses you because it's just so atmospheric. Um, the song Shapeshifter really stood out for me. That was a killer damn. Um, one of, and speaking of the Deftones influence, one of my favorite Chino pro, uh, side projects is Palms. And I feel like this is very much like a, you know, Chino bringing Deftones into that direction with Hum a little bit, but Palms was basically like a, a Hum tribute to an extent. Uh, awesome fucking band if you guys uh anyone listening wants to check that out it's the record is front to back as well um uh, but yeah man i i love uh what i've listened from hum and actually when i moved out here to san diego kind of got reintroduced into hum from a friend here who's a huge fan and uh was telling me that they're putting on an album they're putting on an album he's been saying this for like four years i'm like cool man you know, i'll check it out when it drops so the fact that it finally did i was like kind of i knew that it was a matter of time but then again, some bands say that they're working on stuff and it just never kind of comes to fruition. So this was cool to see. Um, but yeah, I love this type of music, you know, music that kind of just kind of drifts off and has the heavy guitars and um, kind of like elongated song progressions and so forth. So uh, yeah, this is like, not going to lie, like probably like my favorite type of music. So listening to this record, I was like on a walk today. I was like, sweet. This is the kind of music I feel like we're like made almost like specifically for me as like a person, as a personality. Like I love heavy guitars, but I like melodic lyrics and I like kind of like the stony vibe. Um, so I was like, nice. This encapsulates like everything I love about uh, rock music or just music in general. Um, and so, yeah, and I missed them the last two times I came to San Diego, which is a super bummer. So talk about show regret. Oh, you, I mean, you, you had tickets and were at a concert they were at. You just missed them, right? Yeah. Yeah the, Deftones? Uh, yeah. yeah. The Deftones Festival. Uh, it's an annual festival in September. Um, yeah. I was pre-gaming some beers. So I actually missed Hum then with a buddy. And it sucks because I was looking at my watch the whole time like, shit, I got to get over there. Yep. Um, and the time they came to a club up here, Belly Up, um, just stupid lazy. Like, oh, $15 yeah. ticket. I should go. It's down the street. Oh, oh dude. I'm really tired. Oh, show regret. <laughs> Yeah. So these guys fit show regret and they fit where, where, where are those guys? Where were those guys yeah. until, until yesterday or two days ago, right? Until yep. Tuesday when this came out and Hey, good for them for putting an album out on Tuesday. Like let's go back to our 1990s roots and put albums out on Tuesday. <laughs> right. For sure. Oh, for sure. And Nate, you, uh, I feel the same way. Like if you took my collective record collection or like CDs and you put it in a blender and the output was some type of music or an album, I think it would be this. Like it's, yeah. some parts are really heavy and others are just melodic and yeah, it just puts you in a vibe. I mm -hmm. would I would say the heaviness of this album is very approachable though. Yes. Yeah. Right? It's not like it's heavy, like um, you're, you're not going to be able to hear anything when you're done with it. It's heavy with melody. It's heavy with mm -hmm. um, purpose, I guess is the word I'm looking for. And, and it's not, you know, it's not heavy for the sake of being heavy. Yeah. Well said. Uh, actually, that analogy to uh, uh, what you were saying earlier makes total sense. And I was kind of thinking that, man, this is like so good that I wish, and this is weird, this is not a slam at all because it's one of my favorite bands, but I feel like I wish this is what Soundgarden had put out towards the end because Soundgarden was a little lacking on their last last few albums. And it's like Soundgarden's legend legendary and Hum is a smaller band, but this band, this album is 
like you said, Tuan is like a, it's an all time all of a sudden, like I just heard it first listen. I was like, this is fucking killer. Um, Soundgarden's a legacy band, but you know, doesn't have the same like immediate, like, Ooh, these, these songs are front to back. This album's front to back. It's cohesive. Uh, maybe they were kind of picking and choosing the best riffs and best like sound bites and drum fills for the last, I don't know, 10 years or so to, to make sure they had kind of a perfect album kind of <laughs> to your tool comparison tone earlier yeah right they were um, on hiatus so can, forever yeah so you can kind of like make this masterpiece but um then again like the way it flows together seems like it, it was kind of written in, in a very considered effort to an extent so yeah man awesome fucking album i love it i almost think and we'll wrap it we'll wrap this uh hum combo up here pretty soon but it makes you think back like when star like stars got radio play. I remember it did. It got radio play on our local station and our local station used it in like a Zodiac yeah. Zodiac yeah. zone. Yeah. Uh, it's probably why I hated it. Little segment. <laughs> so like it's so interesting because you know that was like an accident single like that. They, that was yeah. never supposed to be that big. Right. Yeah, it was a little that that song. That's probably the reason I hated it. Is it used that promo, and I heard it so frequently. It was yeah. just like ah, this again. And then the song would come on the radio, and I'm like, yeah, but I've heard this ten times today for your promo. So I understood why they used it because the, the zodiac and stars and all that stuff. But yeah, it. it uh, I won't get too deep into why, but yeah, it was just it was annoying and <laughs> did not like it. I just have to say that's one of those weird. And unfortunate things where like a band, even a song, but more so a band can get tarnished by something like that, whether it be overplayed or some kind of connotation that's not something favorable, where it actually is like this amazing work of art or band or artist or single that just gets like shelved because it has that connotation. So like, a, yep. I, I think I brought up like Black Keys in the car commercial, like something that came up that's like, I, I love the Black Keys and they are super grassroots. But they came out in a Cadillac commercial, and every time I hear that song, I'm like, I skip it. I'm like, like ah, yeah, I'm done with this. Overplayed. Yep. yep. <laughs> Actually, I was I, I, I was reading about because uh, everyone's been chatting about Hum on Twitter, etc. And I guess Stars was on a commercial, a big commercial. I'd have to dig it up, but uh, hmm. yeah. So like, for most people, Hum is the Stars band. Yeah, which is they fine. They were for me like, until this week. Yeah, like which is fine. Like get get those people out of the way and let me enjoy. Them. Well, and and yeah. now I'm kind of glad that I've crossed over into the other side because this is not something that I I, I don't like, and it makes me want to go back and revisit some of those bands you say that sound like them, uh, the title fights and um, stuff of that ilk. So I probably will, you know, be expanding my horizons even more just because I gave this the time of day, and you know that that's the way to do it. I think musically, it's, it's always fun to listen to something you've never listened to or or come back to something. Maybe you listen to once and you, it didn't hit you the first time, but it might hit you the second time. So it's always worth trying it again. That's a plug for the, the playlist. Yeah, throw definitely. Some, yeah, Although they some, haven't uh, made it. Hum influence title fight. Perfect. Yeah, that works. All right, let's cool. get into the segment. Definitely. You guys ready? You want to explain the segment? Yeah. Yeah. So last week we did kind of the, the feel good mood lifter, mood booster uh, segment. This week, which is really the the yang to last week's ying, uh, worked. We're titling it uh, "Heavy Therapy," which I love. Tone, you came up with that. Love that name, and it's really you know we're moving away from like the feel good type albums. This is an extension of that. Where at the end of the day, these albums kind of put you in that same space at the end. You know, it kind of whether it's a release or gets you in the right headspace, 
but it's it's on the heavy side. So yeah. we each come up with uh, came up with we'll probably do two, two a piece. And uh, for me, like the two, these are the first two that came to mind. But yeah, any other comments on the segment? No, that that fits for me. Um, can I go first? Absolutely. Because yes. I've, I feel like I've had mine jacked a couple times. So. You have. <laughs> this, oh, yes. this way, if I go first, I can't get jacked. Um, so, yeah, uh, my first one, I'm going to give you guys, uh, we'll, we'll guess because we like to do that here. Yep. Uh, this band, you could totally see playing the Herd Immunity Fest, <laughs> first of all. Mm-hmm. Secondly, uh, this album came out in 2001. So it's right around 20 years ago. Fits, it's in that new metal category. Um, they are a New England band. Reveille. Yep. How'd you know? Nice. That was that was easy. Oh wow! No, I, you, I'll give your uh, hints credit. They were right on. Yeah, bleed yeah. the sky. Bleed the sky came out a week after nine eleven, uh, unfortunately. But this wow. this album, um, I listened to a ton in the early to middle two thousands, and listened to it again last night in prep for this. Um, they're from all over Mass, Worcester, I yeah, think, I think so, yeah. Chelmsford, a couple different places. Um, they had two albums, this album and Laced, I think is the other one that came yep. out before it, uh, which has some tracks on it too. And then uh, members of the band maybe went on to, to form Genuflect. I don't know if you guys have heard of them, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, Revel- this, this album was, was their big commercial success. Uh, they, they had a couple songs on the radio. What You Got was a big radio single for us that we heard a lot on the radio here. Um, and then Inside Out, which there's a couple different versions of that. Have you guys heard? There are two different versions of that that I've heard. One without Scooter from Cold and one with Scooter from Cold. Yeah, I think one was the radio. Yeah, the radio one I think intended was Intended for radio, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't on the original release of this album. They like threw it on after. Kind of a la a Back to School for Deftones. Yeah. Um, needed a radio type hit. Wanted to throw Cold in there because Cold was kind of big at the time too. So, And that's an, another album we'll talk about, I'm sure, down the road. But um, yeah, for me... Big tracks, those two of them. Plastic, I think, is an awesome, just an awesome heavy track. It's got uh, Stephen Richards from Taproot on it, too, which is another band that was big around this time. Um, awesome you know, song. Yeah, such a great song. And his breakdown, uh, the, the breakdown where Stephen Richards is singing is awesome. It's just like, yeah, it's. I listened to it last night. Um, it was. I'm working overnights right now a little bit, so it kept me awake. I was like, this is perfect. This is going to keep me going for the, you know, from the 2 to 4 a.m. time. So oh, yeah. it was it was fun to to revisit that. Um, they also collab. This is kind of comes full circle for us a little bit. Um, two of those songs, the Inside Out um, redo, and then the last song, Farewell Fix. Uh, Amy Allen, who dated Scott Russo for a while and wrote had uh, writing credits on some Unwritten Law stuff, and then they put an album out together too. Uh, uh, collaborated on this record, so. Um, yeah, lots of yeah, lots of lots of overlap with with what we like, right? I mean, you don't think Unwritten Law is the same as Reveille, but she kind of had her hands in both of those records and helped, you know, shape some of those big songs of that time. So really different, kind of cool. Um, loud, heavy, new metal fits right in that new metal genre. Um, you know, a lot of rap rock. There was uh, there's one song that they the label which was Electro Records censored the first song, Unborn. There's a line in there that I think they had to, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> it's just bad. And then Howard Benson produced, which another name that's come up for us in the past oh, with Zebrahead. And yeah, so wow. pretty, a lot of overlap for us here. That's nerd. Think? That's total nerd. I didn't realize yeah. that. I yeah. didn't either until I found it. Holy crap. Good pull, man. I've, Reveille's 
Relly's like the epitome of like a good rap rock. There's a lot of there's a lot of filler out there, um, and the fact that they're from New England is a, is good that we were able to kind of have some claim to fame in in the rap rap rock new metal kind of scene that came up. Um, yeah, it sucks that they broke up too because I feel like they had a good thing going. Um, and when you were talking about the breakdown with Stephen Richards uh, of Taproot, that breakdown, that song, but that breakdown is a vibe, man. That's that's a great song, super well written. Totally. I feel like it like is a perfect backdrop to like a movie scene or something. It's just like super emotional. Um, Stephen Richards from Taproot's got a really good voice. But um, yeah, dude, I was huge in this album. I think we were all at the show, right? The Asylum pr- promoting this album. I didn't go. Uh, it was uh, November one. Oh, nice! You have it yeah. on the spreadsheet. Sweet. <laughs> I do. Nice the spreadsheet. With... I, no, I didn't. I didn't go. I I wasn't into them at the time. I knew what you got, but I wasn't into them at the time. Was okay. that album? Was the new album out at that point? Yeah, it did come out in uh, September. Oh, so yeah, okay, you're right. It was promoting that. Oh wow! Well. Yeah, with uh, Dog Fashion Disco. Yeah, Darwin's <laughs> Waiting Room. Oh, Darwin's, Darwin's Waiting Room. Live for the moment. Yeah. It's a great line. And, uh, I forget someone else. One side zero, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> they came um, too. They were around. Yeah. Uh, Nate, what do you got? On, what else you got? I just remember that that album is a, is a front to back. Um, so Tone did great, great pull. And uh, it's just such a solid album in every way. Guitars, vocals, um, totally fits that rap rock thing but it's not corny and it's not overdone i don't know they have they have an original spin on it i'm not really sure what it is i think it's maybe his voice is is pretty interesting it's kind of like a weird uh raspy voice to kind of help complement the the music soundscape to that album um but i do remember that they had broken up and then they had reunited off for a one-off show you said they're from worcester yep in december of 08 oh you know what i'm talking about the one-off show at the palladium yeah and did they play i think they played that front to back right uh, they must have. They didn't have a lot to, to choose from. It was that or Laced, right? Yeah. I think it was like a, a, an anniversary show or something. And I didn't make it to that show, but I really wanted to. Me too. And I thought that was going to be the kickstart to kind of coming back together. But no, clearly it was just a one-off and that was that. Um, but I agree with you. This album's killer, man. Good good fucking pull, for sure. So I get a funny story. Well, not funny, but just it, it's funny in that it gives you context of the times. First time I ever heard Reveille was... I don't know if this was like a New England thing or Time Warner Cable thing, whatever, but there were music channels in like the 800s or whatever called Music Choice. Yep. Yeah. And imagine like, uh, what? How would you guys describe Like Sirius XM radio, but like for ch- it was channels for each type for of music. For the TV, yeah. For the yep. TV. And I'm yeah. scrolling through, and it's actually how I found out about two bands. Uh, one of them was Reveille when this was probably 99 probably 1999 and butterfly the song off laced was on there yep and you know what this the next song was six yeah. feet under knife gun axe <laughs> nice <laughs> so that was like there's a, there's a long story for us there <laughs> so you know if i think about like my death metal um you know, progression, it started with probably Beavis and Butthead and then continued mm-hmm. with the likes of uh, Six Feet Under and whatnot. But but yeah, good pull. Can I just say something so that I can put it on the on the playlist? Yep. Yeah. So the Six Feet Under is, uh, they had that covers album. <laughs> smoke on the Water. Yeah, I could put Smoke on the Water. We could put uh, TNT. Yeah. <laughs> the ACDC's TNT. 
If you guys hear some low grunting TNT or smoke on the water, it's six feet under. (laughs) That's awesome, man. Stay for the tangents, baby. That's what we do. No, I, I, our buddy Don, mutual buddy Donnie uh, and I, and our buddy Nate, um, different Nate, (laughs) lots of Nates and Tonys in this group. Um, He, we would hang out in his basement in college a ton, and uh, we'd listen to Reveille and my next band, which we'll we'll get to. And uh, miss those times, (laughs) yeah, right. And it was you know it was just making playlists and drinking beers and being twenty twenty one. Um, you know, drinking Jack Daniels because that's all we could get our hands on. So yeah, and it was those were therapeutic times because we were we were a couple of the only people still kicking around home at that time, going to school at home, and there weren't a lot of people, and you know, the winter in Maine is cold, and it's like, what are you gonna do but sit in a basement and listen to metal (laughs) or or you know, new metal, and you know, let it be your therapy. So that's that's kind of how this fit for for me, uh, as far as therapy goes, heavy therapy. Yeah, I did uh, bringing up Donnie's basement actually just I just had like a literally time travel moment because I remember getting stuck in his driveway after oh, one of God. those yeah. days. I think I got like a cab or something because we were drinking or whatever. It and snowed cab, like crazy. Yeah, the cab couldn't get out of the driveway. We were stuck. Yep. It was like a foot and a half of snow. It was nuts. Yep. Yeah, we were. Yeah, that was just you, me and Donnie that night. I remember that night. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. a tangent. <laughs> yeah, it was snowing <laughs> like nuts and we were just drinking and hanging out. That's how we became friends and, and how we get into a lot of the similar music that we're into. So who wants to go next? I'll go. I'll go. All right. Yeah. Twanza, let's um, go. All right. So, so this band, I know you guys know them and have obviously heard them. Um, I'll, I'll tease it. So they've been a band since the mid nineties, New England band. And this next hint is going to give it away, but the singer has a pretty prominent podcast now. That doesn't give it away. Metal, hardcore, um, hardcore roots, you know, metal. This next one will give it away. Ozfest. Godsmack? (laughs) (laughs) Saliva? Saliva. (laughs) Well, because Solly's got a a podcast. Oh, does he really? Uh, Hatebreed. Hatebreed. Yeah, that makes sense. Hatebreed. So the album that I picked, and you could pick any Hatebreed album, like, you know, a lot of people think Hatebreed has a, a certain connotation to it. Like, uh, you know, racial undertones has nothing to do with that. 100% no. Mm-hmm. They, they've been criticized of that. It's nothing to do with it. But uh, the album I picked was Perseverance, which was their major label debut debut on Universal. Um, I first got into them actually before this. It was in high school. Satisfaction is the Death of Desire came out on Victory. And that album is my favorite Hatebreed record. But as far as this segment goes... Perseverance fits it to a T. Like they have songs like Proven, Perseverance, A Call for Blood, and it's all it is all positive. Like it's it's all aggressive, but it's it's you know to get you through tough times. And mm-hmm. Jamie Josta, like he's kind of a punching bag in terms of like his lyrics. Like it's all like a motivational speech. You know, it's it is what it is. But yeah, when this is the first this is the first band and first album that I thought of when we said we were going to do this segment. Uh, I've seen them a million times. Oh, not a million. I've probably seen them seven or eight times over the years. Uh, some in Portland, most in Massachusetts. But um, yeah, it, it's interesting. Like most bands, their major label debut is like the sellout album and blah blah blah. They lose their edge. Like this was basically them on steroids. They got the major mm-hmm. label production. 
I don't know who produced this album, but when you listen back to Perseverance compared to Satisfaction, it almost sounds like a different band just because of the production. Yeah. And it's probably the the heaviest album. So do you guys have any memories of Hatebreed or this album specifically? Do you have a, oh, sorry. Do you have a, a, a key track or two that would kind of fit perfectly for this? Uh, Perseverance. Or is it like a collection? Or Proven. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I'm just thinking. I'm just, you know, I'm thinking. I'm spitballing here trying to figure out what we're going to do, how I'm going to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I'm always, I've got my hands in other things as it goes. <laughs> Go ahead, Nate. Uh, dude, I love Jamie Jossa as a person. Um, his podcast is actually really good. I think we were talking about it through text earlier or earlier this week about a, a certain guest. Um, but yeah, man, I, I um, listened to Hatebreed quite a bit, especially when I lived in um, New York City. I was big, kind of big into the metal thing when I was in New York. I mean, New York's got a pretty sweet metal scene too. So um, yeah, man, I love this band. I, I saw them a ton. Um, I don't know if I got into this album in particular. I kind of just like played all their stuff kind of in playlists and uh, mixed it or mixed CDs that my buddy would burn me actually down there. He was big. He was actually in a metal band. So he would just burn me all sorts of good stuff. So this is like 07, 08. So that's when everyone's burning CDs on CDR, CDR still. Um, but yeah, man, Hatebreed's a great band. And I, I it's, it's good that you, I'm happy you put that out there because I, every time I even say the name Hatebreed, even though I know there's no ne- negative connotation, it's like hard not to think anyone listening or if like my, my wife heard me or something would think that I'm kind of thinking, listening to some kind of like, um, you know, I don't know, band that's white supremacy or something like that, but it's just not even remotely the case. Great band, great dude. Jamie Joss is a great dude. Um, so yeah, man. Awesome. Awesome band. Yeah. And, and for me, I'm, I'm a metal convert, I would say, uh, of the three of us, you guys, and Nate kind of really ushered me into that. And, and now I'm learning more from the two of you as far as that stuff goes. But I remember one of the first things that kind of flipped a switch for me was thinking, okay, the name Hatebreed sounds bad, obviously, but it, it isn't if you, and especially if you go and look at, um, go and look at lyrics and yeah, maybe the music is heavy, but if you listen to what's being said and the message being brought forth, it's not, and they're not the only band like that in this scene. So to be so dismissive, just because a, a sound and B a name for me that I am no longer that way. I may have been that way when I was younger, but you've got to evolve a little bit and maybe open your ears and open your eyes up a little bit and figure out that it's not necessarily that. So, and I think Hatebreed fits this perfectly. Yeah. They, they, uh, it's it, it's actually uh it's funny when we tease this on instagram today when we hashtagged heavy therapy i looked at the uh hashtag in like what other posts were out there yep. the first band that came up someone had posted hatebreed nice heavy, heavy oh, therapy yeah. um and one last thing i'll say is for this segment i picked a legacy band which is hatebreed you know been around for 25 years my next one is more on the new end of the spectrum Ooh. So, nice. so nice. Nate, what you got? Um, I was going to pick something different, but I'm actually going to go with this one just because uh, there's, I wanted to piggyback off of what Tone was saying with uh, Donnie's basement. Ooh, you guess. You're going to steal one from me, I think. Oh, shit. <laughs> I got three, though, so good. You're good. Go for it. I do have a guess. guess. Yeah, the Guesses? fragile. Huh? The fragile. Yeah, I know. It's kind of <laughs> obvious when I said that, <laughs> just because we listened to the shit out of that album. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I brought this up. Actually, the, speaking of the first thing that came to mind, this is the first album that came to mind. Um, 
mainly because it's, uh, you know, it's a double album. So there's a lot of songs. And um, I don't know, I think it might be the core album. And there's maybe two others, actually, two that I picked that kind of fit this like medication for like, I need an outlet uh, to almost help me, you know, channel this frustration, anger, whatever. I'm a pretty level-headed person, but um, like many people, I, I have frustration issues and so forth. So um, metal music is uh, definitely my outlet and uh, another, I guess, po positive throw um, pitch to the music industry is the fact that metal music is very much so therapeutic. And so this is a, a good segment because this album, Nine Inch Nails, The Fragile, is so dark and so deep and um the lyrics are are pretty heavy um yeah i mean i dissected this album so much over the last 20 years or so um but listening to this album tone and tone in uh donnie's basement and i would, and then i'd go home and listen to it more you know it's like it talk about like dead of the winter album this is just such a solid work of art and um it really, it just, it, it helps you. You get through it and then you listen to this album through and it's kind of up and down. It's all over the place tempo wise. So um, yeah, I, the, the Nine Inch Nails, The Fragile, it really was the album that kind of hooked me in. I had listened to other stuff previous and, and post The Fragile, but this album just like, I don't know, it just really hooked me in. I was like, nice. I, could, I totally understand this like industrial music, metal, um, crazy you know, pretty somber and de depressing lyrics to an extent. But um, I think we have also talked about where Trent Reznor is today. And he's mm -hmm. a father of like four kids. He scores films, you know. Um, so there's a weird kind of um, nerd aspect to it where that you can kind of come out the other side because the music music's very honest. But the, the fact that you can be a working professional and have a family and uh, this music is kind of like an autobiography of Trent Reznor. So to, to come out the other side, I and mean, he was dealing with some serious drug addiction issues too, unfortunately. Uh, I never dealt with that personally, but um, it gives you hope, you know, to know that on an autobiography standpoint that this guy made it, he put out this music, maybe it helped him, it definitely helped me. Um, and I didn't go nearly what uh, the struggles that he went through just to listen to the lyrics alone. But I mean, I... I think we talked about maybe uh, four weeks ago or so that I would put this album on as like a backdrop to like the news because I, I had a hard time digesting this. I try to be, uh, I try and all I'm a naturally optimistic person. So when I see things that are basically um, catering to what looks like an apocalypse in real time, it's, uh, it's hard to go about my um, casual and, and happy self. So having a Nine Inch Nails fragile album to almost help digest difficult times makes me better and makes me more human and and uh inter interestingly enough this album is timeless in that sense that uh, i can use this as different ways to grow and uh i love this album and and i think it's the reason i've seen him so many times and i consider trent Reznor an absolute idol of mine for sure yeah and i mean it it's it kicks you in the face on the first track right somewhat yeah. damaged i mean holy crap that that's a heavy that's a heavy song. I remember listening to that song in my bedroom, <laughs> living at home still, because I, I hadn't moved out just yet. I was still um, a little younger and blasting that song. And my mom being like, are you OK? Because <laughs> it's just not not a happy, not a happy song. And there's a lot of non happy songs on this record. But yeah. there's there are it is like you said, it's it's definitely um, all over the map as far as soundscapes go. It's not just that heavy 
negative, you know, bring you down stuff too. There's some really beautiful pieces like La Mer, mm-hmm. which is just a piano instrumental. Um, yeah, there's, there's, there's some cool, really, it's a great double album. I'm glad it's two and not one. Um, I've, I, I love wearing this together now. It's probably my favorite Nine Inch Nails song. Um, it's, and the video is really cool too. Uh, yeah. But yeah, no, you didn't steal my name, but we're in the nice. same vein. So I, I've got, I've got more of that autobiographical resonator coming up for you shortly. So nice. Swan, what about you? Well, I was going to say, I mean, here you are 20 years later, 20 plus or whatever it is, still talking about it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and like you said, your mom was like, well, what is this? And for you, it was an outlet and clearly we're doing this segment. So it's, uh, it's the top of that category, right? Yep. Um, I would say for me, I was probably a late bloomer with this album. I did not get into it uh, in real time. I had a college, uh, one of my college roommates was a big Nine Inch Nails head. And actually he's the one that kind of really pushed me to go to that Orpheum show that we talked about from 05. And so I was, you know, kind of late to the party and, um, but I like it in, for me, it was one of those albums that you had to be in the right mood, which kind of fits this. Like, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. you, it's a vibe. Yeah. I would put it on if I was not in a great space. And again, you're talking about winter, you're talking about none of your friends, you know, we've got a handful of friends still kicking around, um, you know, Maine in the winter when it's cold and, and damp and dank and all that fun stuff. So you're, you're putting on music like this to kind of get you by and um, yeah. use it occasionally to work out, use it occasionally to drive or go for a run just to kind of, you know, flush everything out and make yourself feel a little bit better at the end of it. So, um, yeah. And th- another kind of interesting fact about that there, he was a label mate, sort of with Dr. Dre, right? Interscope yes. yeah. owned nothing records and even deeper was produced by Dre, which is on the first, the first, uh, wow. side, I think. Yeah. That's so nerdery a credit. Deep cut. I didn't know that. There's a, there's a Dr. Dre, Dr. Dre, uh, sighting on that. So, and that's kind of that hip hop type beat. Yeah. Uh, so that's a cool song. Yeah. It's got like an echo reverb yeah. on it, which is kind of cool. Um, yeah. And I, th- I want to say that this, uh, mirrors Lance Mercer, um, his take on Alice in Chains, where you kind of have to be in, you're right. in for it on this one, right? You got to kind of understand that, like, you can't just throw this on casually. I mean, you can, yeah. Um, but it's so deep. It's like watching a movie about the Holocaust or something. Like, it's pretty, you have to just, it's not entertainment, really. It's really, uh, and at, well, I guess for this, it's, it's a therapy session, maybe. Um, but it's an album that's pretty, it, it takes you in. So you can't just like throw it on, play a song and, and switch it out. You're like, this is a, this is a one you put in and luckily it's a double album. So you're putting in the whole album and you're kind of being fully absorbed and immersed into this full uh, work of art. So yeah, man, fragile, great album. I didn't want to pick it, but it just kept coming to the top of my head. So I'm like, fuck, yeah. man. <laughs> well, when, I almost when, did Tone, too. when Tone didn't pick it, that was your opening. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I well, I thought about it, but I went with um, the album before it. So oh, we want to segue to the downward spiral, which yeah. is, <laughs> which is if you want to talk about uh, the, there are themes on the fragile, but the entirety isn't like that. The downward yeah. spiral is entirely, you know, uh, not negative, but definitely some depressing themes and some down and dark times there for Reznor and for whoever was listening to it. So. Mm-hmm. 
Um, that came out in 94, um, again on Interscope, but uh, was kind of a subsidiary. Nothing was the, was the record label that Reznor brought to Interscope and they uh, made happen. Key tracks for me, Piggy, Ruiner, Hurt, obviously is huge. March of the Pigs and Reptile is, is, a, is a big one. Eraser is another one too. Uh, I'd listened to it again today. Um, I hadn't heard it front to back in a long time. Um, Closer obviously got the radio play as right. it were. That was kind of my introduction to Nine Inch Nails was Closer. Um, probably similar for you guys, right? MTV, uh, that that out that uh, video could only be put played after 9 p.m. and That's they cut right. it and it yeah. was censored and it was this like taboo thing for a 10-year-old to see or a nine-year-old to see. So I remember being at my grandmother's house because we didn't have cable and trying to go and find it whenever we would have to stay there for the weekend for something. I'd be like, all right, I'm going to go upstairs and watch MTV because I want to see this Nine Inch Nails video because it's <laughs> something that I'm not supposed to see at my age. How so, old were you? Uh, 10. Yeah, 10, 11. <laughs> wow. Back when MTV played videos, right? I mean, <laughs> that's the insert MTV doesn't play music uh, joke. But it's, yeah, it, it was uh, it was an album that he made in the the, the Manson family murders house. He, they, they rented the house and put a studio up in that house. Charles Manson, um, and you know, it just had that dark vibe over it from the start. And you know, closing with "Hurt," obviously not a very happy song, yeah. but a therapeutic song. If you I mean, look, the the cover, the Johnny Cash cover is really cool. That song too. So there yeah. are some people that found a lot of um, uplifting, you know, getting through a tragedy, getting through something bad uh, with that song. So. That's probably the, the kind of pinnacle of this, as far as this uh, segment goes for me, is that song. Um, but there's some other good ones on there that are heavy, and it's kind of my first real industrial rock metal type uh, fandom was was Nine Inch Nails, and probably you know still one of my all time. Talking about the Fragile before, I, I love that record too. So nice, man. Yeah, true. True that there's a, a little Nine Inch Nails uh, theme here, which is cool because uh, it's so deep and it's so uh, true to the core. So uh, yeah, Trent Reznor, uh, idol of mine, idol of ours, I guess, uh, collectively. Um, but yeah, I listened to this album actually after. So this is one of those situations where I checked out the fragile end back and uh, kind of went back backwards and checked out this um, after the fact and agree that it's uh, another heavy record. Um, like that Allison change thing, it's an undertaking. You have to really kind of understand that you're listening you're going to be listening to something that's pretty deep and um touching some pretty heavy emotions um maybe emotions that you didn't even know you had so that's always an interesting thing that music can do that um i remember reading something about trent Reznor that really uh really touched me which is he said that he wants to write music that changes the world and i think that many probably any band thinks that that's why they want to play music right other than maybe getting girls or something um but uh he said he wanted to make music you know that changed the world like you too he like used you too as an example and i remember thinking man you two and nine snails are like nothing alike they're like if anything the complete opposite from each other because you two well, at least in some cases you two is very like well we we mentioned beautiful day right it's very happy inspiring um kind of like heavenly guitar sounds and so forth but it shows that you can have music from two different sides of the spectrum that doesn't have to always have this golden smiley everything's fine outlook on life because if it's helping in some way 
um that's that's what it's there for you know it's it's the hot Perfect. sauce to your yep. food and it's the pepper it's 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 supposed to it's serving a purpose so when i read that quote it took me like a few years to really truly understand it and the more i got into the music i was like oh wow this is changing the world because this is the music for that this is like that movie that came out at the right time this is like that that painting that resembles you know a you know generation so um it really transcends time in that sense and i, I think nine Inch nails for that reason and trent reznor as an artist really stands out because he is like the epitome of that like <laughs> industrial sad dark but he's not there anymore yeah and that's get, what's you inspiring. Can, yeah you can use this stuff this this kind of uh music uh early on especially to get through to where he's at now which is you know seemingly obviously he's kicked the drugs which has been a huge thing for him over the last 15 20 years and mm -hmm. you know he's scoring films and winning oscars and being a family man and he's a very articulate guy to listen to talk and interview them I mean, yeah there's been a couple of really awesome interviews yeah um, he's a he's an interesting cat for sure um a couple of uh, i got a couple of fun facts about this time frame for them um nice richard patrick was in the band at one point yeah. touring oh, from with him at, filter from filter yeah. yep yeah. right before filter uh and he they had a little you know falling out and he was gone and then portrait of Amer an american family marilyn manson's record was recorded in the house parts of it anyway not all of it but parts of it were recorded in the same house as the downward spiral so that i mean wow. that fits too right they oh were yeah similar <laughs> veins so it's it's funny that both of you independently pick nine inch nails because kind of like conventional wisdom casual listener thinks nine inch nails for whatever reason is more of a downer right yeah they're more of a downer music but it, but if you if you know them you know the songs know the lyrics yeah it, 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 it it's it's almost like a roller coaster it can bring you there but it comes up you know what i mean mm -hmm. uh so good pulls like i i wouldn't have um and i'm probably in that camp where like i wouldn't have thought to pick them for this but now that you think about it it's like yeah yeah, yeah. no they they fit this they totally fit this Last last little thing, cool podcast, Sound Exploder. It's a especially if you are a producer of music. He did an episode for the song The Lovers, which came out a few years back. Really cool explanation of his process and how some sounds are made, and kind of similar to our uh, behind the intro music. Not nearly as as uh, well known uh, <laughs> person as Trent Reznor is, but yeah, check that out if you're you're into that stuff. All right, Tuan, number two. Yeah, so this one, like I said. Um... I wanted to pick a legacy band, but I also wanted to pick a more current band. And it's not like this band just came out. They've been around since 2010, I think. Um, and I would say the casual listener probably has never heard of them, but I'm going to kind of make some comparisons, more mainstream comparisons that you, you would kind of connect the dots and hopefully you'll go check them out. Um, but the band is Incendiary. Incendiary is from Long Island, New York. Started in what 2010, 2009, 2010, and um, they're they're more into that. Like uh, by genre, they're a hardcore band. They have that kind of groovy New York vibe to them. But where I say I'll kind of bring them to the mainstream is the vocalist, the singer, has a Zach De La Roca vibe going on. Hmm. So I would say the music is he probably heavier than uh, than people are used to with Rage, but vocally total rage vibe so the album is thousand mile stare and 
the song that I'll, I'll put on the playlist is uh, Hard Truths Cut Both Ways. And vocally, it's got like, I mean, you wouldn't be convinced it's Zach, but it's got Zach vibes. And I think our listeners will definitely dig it. Uh, so when I think about, you know, kind of dialing it back to this heavy therapy, you know, a lot of times when I want to, you know, you know, get my head right or whatever, I'll work out, I'll run, mm-hmm. you know, just clear my head. And I listen to this album. This is my go-to album um, in recent years. This came out in 2000, uh, 2017. So it's Incendiaries, the band, Thousand Mile Stairs, the album. Are you guys versed with these guys at all? Or No, I haven't heard this one. I've heard of them. Um, but your explanation will make me excited to delve into some of that tonight because I will. I'm, I'm going to need to stay up overnight again. So <laughs> I'm excited to uh, to throw on some of this heavy heavy therapy uh, to yeah. keep to get me through an overnight at work. So we've talked about Zach De La Roca's first band, Inside Out, or I don't know if it was his yep. first band, but the band before Rage. The singer of Incendiary, Brendan, channels Zach in that Inside Out era. And it's that's cool. I love this band. A um, couple key tracks, "Still Burning," which is the first track of the album, and then "Hard Truths Cut Both Ways" sounds a lot like Zach. Nice. Yeah. No, I'm I'm excited to uh, to get into that. Are the like lyrically? Is it similar to Hatebreed, where it people might think it's negative, but it's actually not, or is it more like downer, like the Nine Inch Nails vibe? Um, it's more anti-establishment which can get you up oh yeah you know what i mean Hell yeah um they have they have a line that they repeat in one of the songs which is very rage it's actually you could you, you could convince someone it's it's a rage b-side uh the lyric is uh there's no hope in an unclenched fist so use yeah, your imagination makes complete sense awesome. to me yeah, yeah. <laughs> that fits um, right in with, with with stuff that we love i'm gonna call it like I'm not going to say this is going to be your new favorite band, but you'll dig them because the the rage it's got rage vibes. I trust your judgment. I got <laughs> huge into crime and stereo now, so yeah, dude. <laughs> it's funny that nerdery. Even if we just did this for us three, like I'm finding out about new stuff that I didn't know about. So, and I knew picking them. Uh, you know, people might not have heard of them, but if it turns anyone on to this band, then uh, it was worth it. And it, it, it's a it's the probably the second band that came to mind when we said we were going to do this segment. So it fits all around. And there'll be more. I mean, we have, I, I have a third one written down here, but we're, we're going to save it for another time. Uh, but yeah, that's, um, if it's got those vibes and he's got kind of that De La Roca and inside out kind of, I'm, I'm all in, I'm going to have to check that out and yeah. I'll be excited to, uh, to find my new favorite band and my new favorite workout buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so Nate, you cool. want to take us home? Yeah. Any any guesses? Give us a hint. <laughs> it's not the fragile. We did that one already. Not the nineties. Not the nineties. Oh, okay. <laughs> you, your your hints suck, bro. <laughs> I know. I know. Every- Let me guess. It's heavy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know. This is heavy therapy, Nate. <laughs> give, mm-hmm. give, give me a little bit more, man. Um. I'm just gonna say it. Okay, just say it. Yeah, because it's it's one we talk about. And uh, again, I didn't want to pick this one because I was trying to go on the deeper side. And I was like, you know what? I'll progressively get into these deeper cuts because this one needs to be said because it just top of mind. It just like, you know, it just came up when I thought of, you know, man, what do I use as a way to uh, get through these times or times of frustration or anger or um, 
I don't know. It's almost like this music just like says it for us and then we can just relax, you know. Can I take a guess? Head pee. No. Uh, good one, though. <laughs> That's not a bad guess, though. Right? Saliva every six seconds. <laughs> <laughs> I love that saliva has become a punching bag. Of Sorry, course. Josie. <laughs> of course they are. All right, Nate, what is it? Tell us. Slipknot, Iowa. Yep. I almost picked a Slipknot record. I'm, glad, I'm glad that one of us did. Yeah, I couldn't resist it because it's so friggin' good. Yep. Um, and it like it's just one of those weird things where like we were lucky enough that it came out when we needed it, you know, when the music was pure and when the band was at, I mean, they're still amazing. They're still putting out amazing stuff. So their second album, Iowa, is just obviously anyone that knows Slipknot knows this, this very may very well be their best album. I don't know. It's hard to say because it really depends on the day. But um, super friggin' heavy. I would listen to this. This is like a this was like a go to album for me when I lived in New York City. Um, I loved to listen. I was in a big metal phase when I lived in New York City. I had a buddy there that was in a metal band, and uh, so there's nothing better. And the iPod had just come out, so there's nothing better than like getting on the MTA and like walking the streets of Manhattan, listening to straight up like you know some blaring lyrics by Corey Taylor and the, and the gang at Slipknot with Iowa, um, and just like roaming the streets and high you know skyscrapers and so forth but this album just really does it all and um yeah so i i don't know why but this album just really um helps with uh those tough times and uh anytime you're just pissed off i mean it's just a straight up like pissed album there's nothing there's no like there's nothing positive about this album except for the fact that it helps you get through the times that you're super raged and just like man i'm fucking pissed off um and as we've gotten to know Corey Taylor uh, as a musician and what he's capable of range-wise, vocally, um, songwriting-wise. And he's obviously an author now, an actor now. He does a little bit of everything. Um, so to hear, hear it coming from like kind of the roots, I mean, this is the third album from Slipknot, but um, just uh, everything about it is just so freaking good. Uh, let's see. Yeah, do you have any key tracks? What do you think? Yeah, I was going to say the... Uh, Heretic album, uh, anthem. Heretic anthem, yeah, yep. For, yeah. Love that song, man. I sometimes I'll, I'll play it and then I'll play it again, like right after, because it's so freaking good. <laughs> um, everything ends. I love that song too. Um, I don't know. It's it's such a, like a everything sucks, everything's ending album. Like it's just like this is like this album should have come out today, kind of. Thing. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, but yeah, either- and there. They were accessible then too. They were still playing like venues. We could we could uh, see them in there. Have either of you read either of his books? Any of his books? I have not. So I read Seven Deadly Sins, and the there are a couple of chapters that totally explain why Iowa was the way it was, and oh. why they were the way they were early on. Was it a like dark, he had a pretty dark shitty spin? upbringing? Yeah. yeah, he had a, he had a really shitty upbringing. So there's some. It was it was good to read it and you know get, gain an understanding for um, some of the lyrical content and the and the music and the anger that came behind some of those songs like Left Behind and yeah mm. it was it, the Heretic Anthem stuff like that so it was uh, it, it's it, I, it's worth reading uh, he wrote another book about ghosts which I kind of want to read but I haven't had, haven't gotten to yet but the first one's good Seven Deadly Sins wow yeah I haven't checked those out but um you know they were obviously they're obviously very big. Um, but this album was 01, right? Yeah. So we were yeah. in high school. And, uh, you know, they were huge then. But for, for good reason, because this album's killer. And 
they just i mean they're from iowa this is named after the album iowa the middle of nowhere nine piece band that just like slays and uh still one of the best live bands you can see i believe um i hate to make comparisons sometimes because it really doesn't make sense but this would be probably like the kiss for our generation in terms of like the makeup and uh just the overall like Showman show and yeah yeah it's just a full-on production um i had never seen i think before i'd seen slipknot i, I actually saw kiss it's the only thing i had seen that had like a full-on production like that and then when i saw slipknot i was like oh cool nice i it's it's sweet that i have something that i can say has a full-on production because for a while i didn't really get it and now i totally understand that that's part of the show and it's it's the full package and uh yeah i love this album um disaster piece is another key track that i really like too but um yeah man this album is just a banger i think anyone that's a metalhead can can agree that this is a (laughs) pretty uh essential album to uh vent out to and just kind of you know yeah definitely get through get through the pain i i think they definitely check they check the box for this um and we'll do a slipknot episode at some point because for me who's like i do have pretty deep roots with um with metal deep roots deep roots yeah i mean whether it's like old obituary or suffocation or you know you name it so i have context of of bands that are you know more metal purists really love that shit on slipknot but it's like no Mm -hmm. if you listen to this album in particular and self-titled like this has it all it has Mm -hmm. blast beats it has everything like it's just they did go a little more pop sensibility, like take left behind. I don't know if you guys know this, but there's a radio version of that song, just like the, the, they did with wait and bleed. So like, Oh, well there's holes that people can poke in. But like, if you listen to this, if you put this album on and didn't tell anyone who it was, it would get a different reaction from the metal purists. Um, yeah. And the live show is so killer. I saw him for the first time, I think last year I took my dad. Oh, well. Um, yeah down in massachusetts and it was a killer show uh, but yeah bring it back to the the segment here yeah this is like if you want to lift weights listen to this album you know what i mean <laughs> yeah yeah they um this was and I, I think i've touched upon this in another episode we were talking about going to shows and and being converted to different types of music this is kind of my gateway into some of that heavier stuff um being more open to going to see these bands live. And honestly, you go see a band live, especially a band that puts on a show like Slipknot does, you're going to be converted. Like you, it's hard not to be that the show that yeah. we saw, it was probably, geez, I can't even remember. I want to say it was like 10, it had to be at least eight or 10 years ago um, down in Mansfield, Nate, for mm-hmm. uh, um, what was the name of that festival? They oh, had a bunch uh, of bands with them. Mayhem. Mayhem, yeah, Mayhem Fest. So we went out, we went down to that, and you just needed somebody to go with you. It was just you, and it's like a three-hour drive for us. So I'm like, yeah, I'll go. And I'm, you know, hesitant and didn't want to really do it, but I was like, you know, it's live music. I like music. I, I'm sure I'll find something I like. And just by the halfway through the set, I was like, holy shit, these guys fucking rip. And like the guitar, the the drumming and the drummer going upside down and it, like just the stage presence for all of them it wasn't just Corey. Corey's obviously got a huge stage presence but just you could look at any one of the, the nine and see something crazy happening on stage you know hitting a keg with a baseball bat or you know just all kinds of amazing stuff happening and you know fire um 
it's just, it's what, it's something to behold. And because they can do that, it, it turned me on to other stuff that I'm like, yeah, no, I'll give that a whirl. I'll try that. I'll listen to more things and not be so dismissive of stuff that maybe doesn't have the connotation that I'm looking for to start. It's worth, it's again, it's worth opening up your, your ears and checking it out. Yeah. I think it really brought to the forefront the fact that you can be in a metal band scream, but also sing. Um, cause Corey's got some melody in, in even these early albums. Um, of course with stone sour and other bands, he, he even went more so that route, but, um, I think that this kind of changed it and that's maybe why they got onto radio or maybe signed to a major label because he has those elements. Uh, so they knew that he was a strong frontman from the start and that there was going to be some, I don't know how the metrics or how these things work internally for record labels, but they must've known like, Oh, wow, this, this vocalist has something that maybe is going to allow them to go a little bit longer than one or two albums. So we should probably sign them for like a seven album deal or something like that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Just kind of nerding, nerding out in that sense. Um, but yeah, man, uh, you know, and, and Corey's influenced by Trent Reznor. So there's a lot of comparison there too. Um, a lot of the stuff's coming full circle. When you mentioned the keg, uh, clown hitting the <laughs> yeah. keg with the baseball bat, it reminds me of Nomar Slevic. You know what I mean? That the sound that everyone knows is like a yeah. keg sound or if you drink, I guess. Um, so they implement that into the music. There's literally two members in the band that just hit kegs. <laughs> and it's awesome. Uh, yeah. But you, yeah, you nailed it with like the heavy with the melody. So Left Behind, early on when you were just introducing this album, I was like, Left Behind is could be the heaviest uh, in parts, heaviest album uh, song on this album, but it's also the most melodic. Mm-hmm. Um, it just has it all. And I'm not talking about the yeah. radio version because the it, the radio version is a little more stripped down. Yeah, yeah. Well, they yeah. had to be if they were going to get any sort of play that way. So Iowa has some tough tough hangs as far as radio radio friendly is concerned. I think not that, yeah. that they're tough hangs, but you know what I mean. Oh man, some of the lyrics are pretty pretty uh, pretty dark. Uh, I I tell you, go back and read that book. It'll make it'll make even more sense. Yeah, that's cool. Because yeah, I know he had a rough childhood. Um, the, the what I have heard or read it seems like him and Marshall Mathers have a similar upbringing it was a pretty like a broken home kind of situation um yep which yep. sucks but you know lends itself to art like this and yep coming out the other side it's awesome and that's I think why I chose maybe Slipknot and Nine Inch Nails because it's nice to have some success at the end of the tunnel light at the end of the tunnel like man shit's tough life's hard life's like really fucking hard so if you can get through it and doesn't mean you have to be a multi-platinum recording artist to do it, but shit, man, music for us average people um, is, is pretty sweet to, to have this to help get through any difficult times. So yeah, Slipknot, Nine Inch Nails, all these bands, it's been real, times are, times are tough, but you know, I feel happy. I feel super elated when I listen to Nine Inch Nails and Slipknot. I'm like, man, I'm so, life's good. Life's great. Yeah. Well, you can find the positive in it, at least yeah. within the therapeutic release of it. And that was the the goal of this segment to begin with was, yeah. um, it's not the, you know, the happy vibes, roll the windows down stuff. It's the, you hole up in your bedroom and, you know, turn it up, turn your headphones up really loud and just get through whatever you you need to get through. And this stuff helps or work out and, you know, you know, push things and, and run and find that energy through, through the music. So that's, that's why we picked these these songs these albums to get us through that stuff yeah this is gonna be a, a hell of a uh playlist it's gonna be loud <laughs> it's gonna have yeah. some it's gonna have some edge some bite 
Yeah, I think we, uh, I mean, I know we had, uh, I prepared a few others. We'll pause it there. Again, like a lot of these segments, it'll be ongoing. Every few months, mm-hmm. we'll kind of uh, break a few of these into the fold. But um, yeah, I think we'll yeah, probably wrap it up. Yeah, I think that's a good spot to stop. Um, again, hit us up on the socials, at uh, Potty Slave, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Slow Burn on Twitter, we're there. I'm, I, I, I kind of spearhead that Tuan kind of Tuan and Nate kind of spearhead the um instagram we're all there though if, if you've got a question for one of us throw it out there we all see it so we're very uh, responsive and, or shoot us an email um we'd love to hear from any of you all of you wherever you're from um you'll get shouted out we love to shout out our, our listeners so yeah check us out there and then hit us up there would be great well thanks all and uh throw us a review we we love uh seeing those come up on uh apple or any of the platforms it's really cool to see. We've seen a few of those on there recently. Yeah. Peace, potheads. Bye, guys. Cheers.